thank you, Father, for this day. And thank you for these that are testifying to your goodness and how great you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you're doing great and mighty things in the earth today. And we're grateful today for these that have received salvation because they're headed to heaven. And the, and the assurance of that is just overwhelming. But dear God, these that are in um, the crucible of the, of the fires of life, we ask you even now to enter in here specifically as we pray for Sherry and pray and speak healing to her eyes that there will not be cancer in the name of Jesus. And this lady will be completely free and encouraged and the peace of God will fill her heart. And we thank you, Lord, for Christian schools. We thank you, Lord, today that you're, you're bringing healing in Santa Fe. All affected, even this whole city of Houston has been affected. And bring healing, Lord. We thank you and praise you. Thank you for this ministry that you have here at this church, your spirit as you move. Help us to just be obedient to what you call us to do. Thank you for healing Billy. Thank you supernaturally you healed him. Thank you for sending Trish and others to give support. Thank you, Lord, today uh, for healing Carl and also Jim. Thank you for salvation for Andrea. We pray and thank you for healing Ellen in Jesus' name. Thank you for carrying people safely as Patsy and David be with Wes and Pat. We pray for Janet, strength, power, Lydia for healing. And we remember John. We thank you, Lord, today that have gone on, those that have served, and, and Lord, that they're with you now. Yes, they're walking on the streets of gold. They're in the glory land. And Lord, we look forward to that time. So we ask that you would speak and let us get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth. Only the word of God be spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's funny because I didn't realize the timeline, but it was uh, real right here in the last couple of days. He's been on my mind. Yeah. So, you know, God's saying he's speaking, isn't he? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah, I want to talk about something that I think as we talk about remembering, we've been um, actually studying uh, in, our, in our study on Wednesday night, and this past session was a teaching on remembering. So I'm going to have some plugs from that particular teaching that I believe are so significant in reminding, and I'm going to explain what we do here on a regular basis and how important it is to remember. Now, last year, remember the Astros? They uh, won the World Series. And why was that, that the Astros won the World Series? Uh, it seemed like it was impossible. Here the, I mean, Altuve, I mean, he's a real short little guy, but he can hit the cover off that ball, can't he? I mean, these little guys that get up there, and I mean, they can hit that ball. And so they won the World Series, but I want to tell you, um, these things that seem to be impossible, how did they do it? 
Rockets are doing good. They've got one more game, and I hope they beat Golden State. They beat Stephen Curry and also um, the other guy that's really good. I like Golden State, too. But if they do, it will be kind of the impossible, right? And how did that work? You know why I believe it was? Is that they worked hard. They worked hard at it. And also, I believe it's because they listened to those that were over them, their manager in this case. I believe that was, that's really very significant. And you know, a lot of times we work hard and, and we can try to commit less errors, so to speak. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And no matter how much we try, the Bible reveals that our righteous deeds are like filthy garments, Isaiah 64, 6. In other words, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And anything in trying to gain our righteousness apart from receiving the righteousness of Jesus in our lives, then we go in error here. So certainly I believe that, that uh, we need to obviously listen to our commander-in-chief. His name is Jesus. And, and certainly we need to follow him in our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4, You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments and listen to his voice and to serve him and cling to him. And I want to say today, God is always speaking. We talked about it last Wednesday night. God is always speaking. But the question is, are we on the same frequency with God? Sometimes we're too busy. God's wanting to speak to us, and God speaks. He speaks through his words, circumstances, leadings, and also impressions in our hearts, the still, small voice that the Scripture talks about. And so God is speaking, never adding to his word or taking away from his word, but certainly God speaks. I heard the voice of God one time in my lifetime, and I'm not saying when God speaks, am I necessarily saying it is an audible voice? I'm talking about impressions that he gives us. Now, God can speak to us audibly if he wants to, because God can do whatever he wants to do. But in most occasions, there are impressions that we have, or, or maybe, you know, he says that he'll lead us and all if we, we follow him and so forth. And the Bible says, Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He talks about this all throughout Scripture. God says he speaks to us. He leads us in that way. But I heard the voice of God one time. I know where I was when I heard him call my name. And he said, Jim. And I'll never forget when it was. It was years ago. But I know where I was when he heard me. And God's not, not limited to anything in that sense. But God will speak to us. And he's always speaking, I believe. For the nation of Israel, under the leadership of King Zedekiah, there was a wholehearted struggle to honor the authority of God in their lives. For centuries before Zedekiah, another leader declared in Joshua chapter 24, listen to the word, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which are beyond the river, are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Joshua is making a declaration that as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've been talking about here as you get up in the morning to make a declaration that you're going to serve the Lord. 
to make a declaration that you're going to stand upon the word of God. In fact, making that declaration that this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am a child of God. I'm an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ. We know in Romans chapter 8 it talks about. And so making a declaration of how, even prophetically, how that day is going to go for you. So when adversity comes and the enemy comes along and tells you all these lies, you'll be reminded of the declaration that you made. You'll be reminded of the testimony that you made as you got up first thing in the morning. Make it first thing in the morning. Because the battle begins when you start to put on your pants or your dress or whatever, and you begin, I mean, it just says everything, it starts. You get out on the freeway and all. Make a declaration if you want to be encouraged of how, Lord, today we're going to work together. I'm a partner with you. Who do you want to witness to today? Who do you want me to pray for today? Is it somebody? Begin to talk to the Lord about it and make a declaration. This is what Joshua was doing. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I make that declaration. And when you do that, you'll be reminded when everything breaks loose against you. One of the wonderful things about the winning life is that we need to get up with that type of attitude when we get up in the morning. But unfortunately, Israel rejected God, and they turned to go their own way. If you'll look at Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 15, it says, For my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods, and they have stumbled in their ways from their ancient past to walk and bypass, not on a highway. <laughs> like Israel under King Zedekiah, many people today have forgotten God. They'll worship everything under the sun except for God. And they've chosen to walk in the bypass, or what really means a ways of their own design, rejecting God's way to hope and eternal life. This morning, I want to talk to you about a different way of life, a different way of life. And I believe you could call this is, this is a, to live the winning life here. <clears throat> Think about it. The Israelites under King Zedekiah were heading towards destruction. God in his proclamation to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah identified three overriding problems, transgressions and sins that would bring about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the southern kingdom. The first overriding problem that God identified when he spoke here in Jeremiah 18 was, for my people have forgotten me. What did the people of Israel forget? They forgot God. They forgot his blessings. They forgot his authority, his power, and his judgments. They forgot when he rescued them from slavery, they, he brought them through and parted the Red Sea and gave them water to drink and food to eat and victory over their enemies. They had forgotten about all of those things. And so I ask you a question today. What have you forgotten? What have I forgotten in my relationship with the Lord? Have you forgot about his salvation? Have you forgot about Obviously, the, the just awesome sacrifice when he went to Calvary. And if you'd been the only sinner in this world, he still would have went to Calvary to die for one person. He died for me. He died for you. He died for the sins of the world. He died for people. He hung on the cross, but didn't stay there. He was resurrected. He lives. He lives. 
And so what is it that we have forgotten? Have we forgotten about his grace and mercy? Have we forgotten about how he's rescued you from the claws of the enemy time and time again? Have you forgotten about how God has protected you and me and how he's, he's protected even this nation called the United States of America? Have, have you forgotten even how this, this nation was founded supernaturally by a move of God? Have we forgotten about those people who have given their lives in the past, who, who have sacrificed the ultimate, given their lives so that we would have freedom? Have we forgotten about all these things? One of the things that I say over and over again is, is that <clears throat> I think we, as generations, move away from the last world war, World War II, is a lot of times we forget the sacrifice that people gave. My father was in World War II, and so he didn't talk a lot about World War II. I think the trauma of, of war and so forth, he didn't share that a lot. But the further we get away from that, generations are being raised today, they don't understand the sacrifice that people have made so that they can have the freedom to demonstrate the freedom to do some of the things today that I just say are ridiculous and rebellious, but they have the freedom to be able to do that today. And they have forgotten how this country has found, was founded. And sometimes I believe that the church has forgot its calling to proclaim the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten how we were going down uh, the way of destruction and Jesus intervened by his spirit and held us off before we went over the cliff? Have we forgotten these things? You see, something powerfully happens when we remember, when we reflect upon these things. Did we forget about his power to heal, to give peace, and to place in our hearts, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Have we forgotten about those things? And sometimes I believe that certainly we have. We've forgotten about those things. So the first thing I want to do, what must we do to return? First of all, I believe we've got to remember. <clears throat> and I believe that we can live the winning life by remembering here. Remembering that he brought us out of the miry clay, that quick sand of sin and despair. Listen to this. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and listen to this, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Isn't that good news? Don't forget about his benefits. Don't forget about his blessings. Remember his blessings. Remember, think back. David said, and this I call to mind. I remember these things. Remembering these things, the people here, they had forgotten a God. They'd forgotten about what God had done. And it was so important, we know in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and, and 6 in that time period, that basically God is saying, you know, keep these things before you. Remember what I've done. And yet they forgot about God. They forgot about how he 
had delivered them and, and all. We forget about that. Why do I spend Sunday after Sunday and continue to sort of like give time for people to thank God in the, in, here in this assembly for what he has done this past week? There is a motive behind that, folks. There's something I do, purpose in my heart, that we will give God the praise and we will thank Him. Sometimes it's like we go on and on and on. Several Sundays we went on and on and on. And we don't want to stifle that. We went over a little bit in our service. But it's so important to remember that. There's something supernatural that happens when we do that. And one of the things that's very important to remember is remembering puts everything in proper perspective. It's not what we have done. It's what God has done. It's not what our intellect has done. It's not what our abilities have done. It's what God Almighty is doing in our midst. It's His power. It's His glory. His presence that changes us. And also remembering gives hope. For God doesn't change. His, his authority and His power and His love they're the same today. They're the same. We read the Old Testament. And I think in the back of our minds, sometimes we think, oh, this is not for today. This is Old Testament. No, it's for today. We see, I love the Old Testament. You know, points to Jesus, yes. And certainly New Testament points back to the cross. But I'm telling you, is that these things are important to remember these things. And certainly gives us hope. Begins to stir hope supernaturally, but also remembering places value on the gift of salvation. We stirs in our hearts faith when we think about it. But I'll share with you some things we learned Wednesday night. Listen to this, and I'll say it again. When the invasions of God stop being a part of our conversation, we expect less and then the downward spiral begins. Let me say it again. When the invasions of God stop being a part of our conversation, we begin to expect less. What do I mean by invasions? I mean any miracle in your life. And God's doing miracles around us every day. Isn't that true? I mean, many times God has spared me from accidents that could have probably been devastating. I don't know. But I know one thing. God is protecting me. God is taking care of me. There are miracles of life happening. That's our God. He's supernatural. So when the invasions of God, those miracles that happen in our lives, stop being a part of our conversation, we don't expect them at all. What am I saying? I'm encouraging you to talk about what God is doing in your life. Because what it does, it begins to, to create a heightened expectation to believe God for the miraculous Believe God for those things that look like they're impossible, certainly for man, but all things are possible for God. It begins to somehow stir in our hearts faith, and when faith is there, it's pleasing to God. That's what I'm saying. Keep talking about Jesus. Keep talking about Him. We have to remember what God has done. And turn over to Psalm 78. Turn back to Psalm 78, so wonderful about what God is saying. Verse 9. When you begin to stop talking about the invasions of God in your life, this is what happens, all right? And I believe personally, this is what's happened to the church in the United States. I believe that. I believe this is it. 
The people of Ephraim, being armed with bows, turned back in the day of battle. And if you look at the rest of this, this psalm, he's talking about that the people had forgotten God. They had forgotten how he had brought them out of that bondage. They had forgotten the, the activity of God in their lives. And what happened was they lost courage. They lost courage. You see, sometimes tradition comes in and says, well, we've done it this way and so forth. You know what? I, I can respect tradition, but I want to tell you where it inter interferes or in some way hinders a move of what God's Spirit is doing, I want what God's doing and not what we've done necessarily in the past. And when we stop talking about Jesus, when we stop talking about how great he is and how magnificent and how powerful he is and how awesome he is, then what happens is we don't expect anything to happen. And what happens with you and I and the church is we begin to become apathetic. We don't see God move at all. We've got to talk about the things God is doing. We've got to remember these things. It's the same, same way in history and society. And not talking about those people. Last week, if you notice, I did this with a purpose in mind. That I had a list of names for 15 years of those that had gone home to be with the Lord. Had been a part of Lighthouse Fellowship over the last 15 years. Kathy got it together for me. And I read their names. And we sang, Do Lord. A song that we've sung like that over the years. Lord, I took Jesus as my Savior. You take him too. And I read those names because those soldiers in God's army had, had trodden down and, and, and gone back in to the fields and, and they had done things for God. I wanted to remember them. I wanted to remember what they had done. It's so important to remember. I spend time on that over and over again because if we don't, we lose courage. We forget what God has done. And if you look at verse 40 through 42... It's very important of what we do. Yeah, listen to this. Verse 40 and 42. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, they tested God over and over and provoked the Holy One of Israel they did not remember his power, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he performed the signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. They did not remember his power. Will not remember his power. If we don't continue to talk about the great things God is doing in our lives. That's why we take time. Remember, tell me, what's God done? Did he feed you last week? If nothing else spectacular, he gave you bread to eat, amen. He gave you rest to lay your head down. He gave you a roof over your head. Thank God, God restored Cindy and I in our home and, and all. And people are still going through these things. I see it all over the city as I travel. God is in the business of us saying thank you, Jesus. Because if we forget it, we won't pass it down to our little ones. We won't somehow pass it. And that's what God said. 
tell your children, kind of like write it on their hearts, remember what I've done. It's time to reflect. And sometimes I encourage you, sit before the Lord and take a notebook maybe and write down the things God has done in your life. Begin to remember and watch how encouraged that you'll be. Because a lot of times what happens is we fall into self-pity. We fall in and have a pity party. We begin to say, oh, life is tough. And it is tough. I don't minimize it. But I'm telling you, you want to be encouraged? Remember what God has done. The ultimate gift is salvation. He's healed my body, touched my mind. He saved me just in time. That song we sing sometimes says. Thank you, Lord. Remember what God has done. Remember where this country came from. The supernatural stuff when George Washington was leading those men. They didn't have shoes. I can't even imagine. And their, their feet were frostbitten and they didn't have clothes and they had all this. And supernaturally, God delivered this nation into the hands called now the United States of America out of the British Army and Navy that were tops in the world at that time. God does the same thing in our, in our spiritual lives. Thank you, Lord. He provides for us an abundance. Don't forget about his benefits. Psalm Revelation 19.10 says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Talk about anything Jesus has said or done. Because our testimony has the power to change the condition in the present. Testimony. Don't you like that? I tell you, I could just testify. God is good. God delivered me out of the hands of the enemy, going down the wrong path, and he's delivered me. And we testify to it, share about it always. Israel forgot. Many today forget. And forgetting leads to confusion, skepticism, even unbelief. Not only did God say, God, my people have forgotten me, but he then declared they burn incense to worthless gods. You know what we do? When we forget about who God is, when we forget about the purity of God's word, the holiness of God's word, when we forget about all those things, what do we do? We start burning incense to idols. We turn into everything. Anything goes, you know. All roads lead to heaven according to the world and what they say. And you just got to be fairly good to make it in heaven. And a loving God will never send anybody to hell. We begin to. And you know, if, if somebody wants to marry somebody of the same race or whatever they want to do, they want to marry, it's okay. Because it's all relative in that sense or subjective in that sense, okay? But it's not. It's against the word of God. Because somehow we've forgotten God. We've forgotten his word. We've forgotten the purity that's there. The holiness that God wants you and I to walk in every day. America, obviously, is not much different than Israel and King Zedekiah. And some would say, well, I don't worship idols or pray to the gods of the weather or gods of war. However, we may worship our jobs. We may worship sports. We may worship other people. We may worship our investments. And even we may worship ourselves. It's about me, myself, and I, and nobody. You know, today, even tithing is something that the church is saying. We can't talk about tithing because, my goodness, you know, people are hurting and so forth. I don't minimize that. But let me tell you, God says bring the tithe into the storehouse and you'll have the abundance of God's blessings poured out upon you. 
Try it. He said, test me on this one. God doesn't say that throughout Scripture, but he says on this one, try me on it. Just try me. Begin to do it. Not in an impure motive, but give back because he owns it all anyway. And watch God bless you financially and your home and so forth because he says if you're not tithing, you're under a curse. Actually, you'll look at it. But we don't want to talk about it because, oh, my goodness. But let me tell you, we've forgotten God. We turned away from Him. And God says, return to me and my word, the purity there. You know, many people know more about celebrities than they do as far as even naming the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, they, they know more about celebrities' lives. You know, on Us magazine and People magazine, we learn more about all of that stuff that I have no interest in at all than we knew about the Word of God. They have no idea. Because they'll tell me, well, you can't tell me that God's Word needs to be adhered to today because that's an old book that was written. And yeah, it, it's a little bit interesting in places, but in a lot of places it doesn't make any sense to me and so forth. And so people today worship celebrities. You watch, have you ever watched it on TV? I won't go to it's the concerts necessarily. I love the Christian concerts, but I don't worship them. But they'll go to a concert, and you'll watch them, and they're mouthing the words of these songs that I'm trying to figure out what they're saying. I have no idea. But the young people know exactly the words they're saying on these songs. And they're saying it. We saw a group the other night on TV. And let me tell you, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they were saying. But the group they had in there could, could speak the words, everything they were saying. I was, saying, I was going, this doesn't make sense. So what does it mean? It means when we forget God, we go into a state of confusion. We go into a state that, that is just not recognizable. It's because we forgot God, haven't we? Now, the second thing is we need to worship God. One of the things they don't know, if you ask, I bet you go on the streets and you ask young people, what are the three branches of government? How many, what percentage do you think you would get that would be able to answer that accurately? The branches of the government in the United States of America. How many do you think, what's the percentage? I bet you it's a low percentage. My guess would be, I don't know, but I would guess from things I've heard. They have no idea. The second thing is worship God. God is looking for worshipers. Remember at the well, the Samaritan woman, he says an hour is coming now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be worshipers. We need to be, we, I want to be a worshiper of God. I've been telling the Lord for a long time, I want to be, I want to be, and I, I pray that I'll be able to experience that, that I'll be able to worship you in the way that is honoring unto you, that I not do anything to quench or grieve the Spirit of the Lord, that I would host the presence of the Lord and, and sensitivity to the presence of God, that I wouldn't think anything. I consecrate my mind. I sanctify my mind to the Lord, my thought life. I, I do all of these things. I, I ask for a guard around my, my heart and around my mind. It's so important because the devil hits it's you heavy with those things. We need to worship the Lord because worshiping God fulfills the creative purpose of why you're here. We've been made to worship God. Isn't that great? 
I'm not just talking about singing to him and, and through a worship service, although that's certainly relevant, but I'm talking about everyday worship God. Just do what, be radically obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is, is that worshiping God recognizes your priorities in life. Authentic worship affects your priorities here. Listen to this in Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, does this give us a license to hate? No. Heaven forbid, no. But in comparison to God, we are to love him completely more than we love anyone else or anything else because as spoken of in Sunday school this morning, anything that takes the place of God is an idol in your life and my life. Anything. And somehow what happens is we stop talking about, about what God has done and his invasions in our life. What happens is we begin to compromise. It's a downward spiral. We begin to stop being radically obedient. We lose our courage. And we don't tell anybody about Jesus anymore. You know what God's laying on my heart? He's beginning to birth this. I don't know how this is going to be fulfilled. And I don't know what it means. And then what God has begun to show me is there's going to be more and more street ministry taking place from the body of Christ. I'm talking about street ministry. I'm talking about going out, telling people about Jesus. Whether or not it's, I'm talking about Walmart, anywhere. I'm talking about there's going to be an unleashing of grace to be able to speak with boldness with people in places that you never thought, that you just went in there to get some supplies or something else. There's going to be ministry evangelism. There's going to be prayer for healing. There's going to be prayer for deliverance in different places today. Ask God to birth that in your heart if you begin, begin to catch that little vision there of what God's doing. I believe he's doing it. Worshiping God opens the doors to his blessings on your life. Deuteronomy 15. However, there'll be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance possessed. If only you listen, obedient to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all this commandment which I'm commanding you this day. The blessings of God will come as we worship the Lord. But Israel refused to worship God. They burned incense to worthless gods. Time and time again, God invited them to repentance, but they refused. They said no. Not only did God say to Israel, my people have forgotten me, and declare they burn incense to worthless gods, but he then confirmed that they have stumbled from their own ways, from the ancient paths, to walking by paths, not on a highway. God has shown Israel what to do. They just said, you know, we're not going to do it. So here we see the third thing. Live God's way. You want a winning life? Matthew 7 says this. Listen to this. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. I'll read it again. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many that go that way. For the gate is small, the narrow gate, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. There are few who find it. 
That's a scary message for me. I know the consequences. The gate we're entering, so I want to tell you today, if you're saved and you're sitting in here today, you can shout hallelujah throughout eternity. And you can praise his holy name throughout eternity. And you can give thanks to him every Sunday that you come in here. And you can give thanks to him when you wake up in the morning and when you lay your head down to rest because of salvation. Because that gate that we entered in through was very narrow. And many of them, that the, the, the way that leads to destruction is broad. And a lot of people are flooding in that way. This is truth, church. This is the truth. And so we see that living God's way produces holiness. We talk about that. Shutting sin and doing what is right in his eyes. And also living God's way invites peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And everything's breaking loose, and it will. Maybe it will happen in our lifetime, I don't know, but I do know that we need to get ready because we're seeing things piped up. There was another shooting this past week in a school up in Indiana. Did you see it? It's happening almost continuously. I was telling Jerry in the Sunday school class that um, in the daily... Uh, news, the Galveston paper this morning on the headlines that said psychiatrists um, cannot feel, you know what it says, cannot understand why this guy did this in Santa Fe, right? Kind of verbatim. Mm -hmm. They don't understand it. I do. Uh -huh. It's darkness. It's darkness. Anytime there can't, no quote, psychological explanation or psychiatric type of uh, understanding of that, we look to the evil one. Somehow he got a hold of him. And he went in there because he doesn't really, the way I understand him responding now, he doesn't really know. He doesn't understand. He was just taken over. And these things are going to happen more and more because we could very well be, think about it, could we be, we know we're in the uh, last days, okay? We know that. But are we in the last of the last days? Are we? Could we be? I believe we could be. And I've mentioned to you before, what's a, what are we experiencing today? I believe it is the passive wrath of God. It is a passive wrath. So that sound doesn't sound quite as bad as what it could be as far as the active wrath of God. But we're having God begin to remove his hand from this society, and you and I, somehow, we have a place to repent and come and turn to him and pray to him and cry out to our God. Remember in uh, Ezekiel 22, God said, I look for one man to stand in the gap so I would not have to do what I wanted to do to destroy, I believe, that city. I believe Ezekiel 22. And he said, I couldn't find anybody. Could you be that one person to intercede? Could I be that one person to ask God, to stay his hand on this nation upon our families today that don't know Jesus? Do we know the seriousness of this? Or have we forgotten who he is? Have we somehow turned away from that? You see, living God's way leads to everlasting life. There's no other way. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. The prevailing thought in today's world attempts to push the idea that there are many ways to God. 
The Muslims have their way. The agnostics have their way. The Buddhists have their way. The New Agers have their way. But let me tell you, God says only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. And I, if you know Jesus today, thank him and praise him. Because I want, we can thank him throughout eternity. We will. <laughs> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The 10,000 times the 10,000. They're worshiping around the throne of grace. We're worshiping the Lord right now. And maybe somehow, I don't know if they can see from heaven. I don't know what that, all that is. And maybe that's a great cloud of witnesses around us that in Hebrews it talks about. But let me tell you today, we are being held accountable for the way we use our time and we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged about how we used our time. I will be. I know truth. I have a knowledge of truth. And some of it I've acted upon. Some of it I haven't. I will be held accountable. And so will you. What are you doing with your time? Are you using it for Jesus? Are you somehow saying, I want to be used by you more and more and more? You know, it begins by surrender. And just saying, Lord, have your way with me. Because I can't, you see. Because I remember what you've done for me. And you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You never change. I remember. And you start talking about what God has done. They're all miracles anyway. The salvation experience is a miracle. He gives us new birth, you know. Nicodemus said, what are you talking about? We've got to go back in our mother's womb and be born again and, and do that. He goes, I can't. And you know, Jesus is trying to explain to him. He's trying to explain to us, you must be born again. Because if we're not, we'll never see the kingdom of heaven. There's some things in there that I believe, obviously it's all grace and mercy, yes. But there's some things that confront me and when I read the word. And you know what God's doing is saying, you know, you've got to begin to live the way I've said, not the way you think. Or the way you want and your pleasures and your selfishness. You've got to live the way I'm living. I want you to live. That means you've got to surrender to me. Give it to me. I'll do it. But you've got to let it go. That's what Jesus is saying to us today, church. He's saying, remember what he's done. Give him the glory. Thank him. Every time you come together, begin to talk and have a conversation about it. Because when he invades your atmosphere, when he invades the situations in your life, he enters in. Remember to testify to him. Because if you don't, you won't expect anything from him. We'll just be going through. And you know what the, t the definition of religion is? Is obviously form without power. We go through a form and has no power to change our lives. But you see, the gospel, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power unto salvation for all who will believe. You and I have got to come up and say, Lord, I want it. I need you. If you bow your heads with me today. Father, every person in this place, Lord, we need you. And we desperately are crying out to you this day. And we ask you, Lord, we know you never disappoint in the respects of what you do. Your perfect will being done today. But, oh God, today we just ask you that... Even today, we would make a fresh surrender, a new surrender to you. Life's tough. It's been, it's been just, boy, 
We've been in, in the desert. But Lord, we're asking you to pour water out upon our dry hearts and our lands. Help us to remember. Help us to be refreshed. I pray revival in this church would break forth in a mighty way that our hearts would be changed because your spirit is dwelling amongst us. And Lord, we realize it and we're aware. We thank you for what you've done. You know, the Bible says at the end of the book of John, it says, you know, if all the things that Jesus had done were written down, this book could not contain them. <laughs> Hallelujah. If everything that he did were written down, we just, I mean, the, the annals of history couldn't even contain them and what Jesus has done, Lord, and we thank you and we praise you for that. Help us also not to waste our lives, Lord, pour our lives out for you and for others. Bless every person here. I bless you in the Jesus' name. I bless you with encouragement today, each person here. I speak to your spirit, man, this day, and I bless you with the fullness of God dwelling within your life. And I, I bless you with a greater appetite for God, a greater appetite for the Lord. I bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.